Hey, we have a jam-packed episode all about sex and disability for you today. But before we do that, I want to shine the bright light on another podcast that I really love. Hey there, I'm Alice Ward, host of the Disability Visibility Podcast. Conversations on politics, media, and culture. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. All episodes, pretty test transcripts, can be found at disabilitydisabilityproject.com slash podcast. And you also find us on Twitter at D-I-S Visibility. Well, thanks for listening. And see you on the internet. Bye! This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello friends, welcome to episode 108 of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. It's your hung gimp, Andrew Gerza, what up, hey, hello, I am so excited for this episode, I have never laughed harder when recording an episode than I did during this one. I talked to my friend Carolyn Gehrig, who started the hospital glam hashtag, which is a really cool hashtag that looks at medicalization of bodies and disability and sexuality and all this stuff. And then I had a bunch of questions for her about her disability and sexuality, but they kind of all devolved into hilarious laughter. And it's a really, really fun conversation because nothing really much happened in it. We just had a chat and I just loved talking to her, but we just laughed so much. If you're not a fan of giggling randomly throw podcasts and this one might not be for you but i loved it so much and i can't wait for you to hear it so i'm gonna stop rambling and say here's my interview with hospital glam creator carolyn gehrig right now on disability after dark just really briefly before we get to the interview part also when i was doing the editing for this my my audio stuff got really fuckery so look i also wanted to to say that i get some money from you awesome listeners through patreon and if any of you are audio experts and want to help me like audio produce some of these episodes some of some of the time the audio is really shit on my end with skype and with the way that i do interviews sometimes it doesn't go as cleanly as i'd like it to and i sent it to somebody to do some audio cleanup for me via fiverr this time and it was great and they did a great job but i'd love to work with somebody who listens, who does audio editing, who might want to do editing for this show. So if you want to do editing, hit me up on an email, 
disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let me know and maybe we can work something out. All right, but now, on to the show. Are <laughs> 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 we starting? It's, <laughs> we're starting? We're starting like this, which is just so good. Carolyn, Great. Great. hi. Hi. Welcome hi, to... Mm-hmm. For anybody listening, we're mm-hmm. laughing because five minutes before... First of all, 25 minutes before we started recording, none of the audio worked because yeah. that's what happens when you self-produce and yeah. the audio is weird and Skype doesn't want to listen. So <laughs> It sounded spent, like a David Lynch movie for a little yeah, while. We spent like 25 minutes like looking at each other, trying to read each other's lips, trying to be like, what are you... I don't know what you're saying. Nice to see you. What do we do? Oh, no. And then magically, once the Bluetooth was turned off, everything started to work. So, and then we, we were giggling because we were, we were looking at Pokemon characters, which is not my thing, but <laughs> Carolyn was like, look at this, isn't this one suggestive? So we were laughing about the, like, possible sexual proclivities of certain Pokemon. It's very weird. Yeah, I'll just say it. Lickitung. It, the, the way it looks in Pokemon Go, the animation, it's... It's dirty. It's very dirty. It's, it's super very, dirty. very dirty. Considering that yeah. the audience is for children, it's, it's problematic. Bordering on like... I'm not going to say it's problematic. I'm just going to say it gives them something to think about. Oh, God. Oh, people are going to hate <laughs> me already. That's fine. People, Enough people hate me, probably. They it's fine. will not. Everybody it's, hates me. It's no, great. It's just, and if they do, it means you've done your job and you've hit a nerve. Yeah, um, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So... Great. We, cool. <laughs> we we connected <laughs> we connected on on social media. <laughs> and you know what? I'm a shitty editor. For the next hour, you will listen to both of us laughing. <laughs> like at each other for Okay, also I'm a shitty editor, so none of that's going out. So if you want and you're if you're listening right now, just just press that fifteen second skiffy thing on your podcast mm-hmm. listener, because you're gonna be doing that a lot this hour. That's fine. At least we're at least at least we're happy. At least it's not like a real. At least before we get into the deep stuff, we're giggling. That's it's good. It's important. So hi, you and I have never actually talked before, but we. That's true. We've been because if we had, we we would be best friends by now. Um, <laughs> we I don't know how we connected. I'm sure we connected through somebody on Twitter. Yeah, probably. I or, mean, Twitter is just one of those things where you press a follow button. Yeah, it's like, I like this person. They Their values might align with mine right now. Yeah. And I've done some things about uh, disability and sexuality before. Um, I did a thing a couple of years ago at Stanford that was a panel on disability and sexuality. So Yeah, I mean, I think I heard about your name. I think panel. I heard your name through somebody, and then they were like, follow this person. I think. I can't remember. It's highly possible that it's just Twitter. But anyway, introduce yourself to everyone right now, please. Hi, I'm Carolyn Gehrig. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a queer disabled uh, artist and writer. Um, I'm known for a project that I made uh, that I made a couple of years, several in 2014, um, which is hashtag based uh, called Hos- Hospital Glam. Um, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek name for a project uh, that's a little bit more serious. Um, 
it's about taking up space in clinical environments so you can empower yourself to talk to your doctors and advocate for yourself and really just be who you are and be really kind of allow yourself greater intimacy in medical spaces. Yeah. Like it doesn't necessarily mean sexual intimacy. It just means that you can really be who you are and come to the space as yourself, however you look, however, however you present in your daily life and give an idea of what a better idea of what illness looks like to doctors and to the rest of the world. So that way we can give everyone who sees us a better I don't know, a better version of what our lives are. So that way they're not coming to medicalized images of us and just thinking that our lives are always tragic or sad. Yeah. They look at us and not through our eyes. I know it. That's how I found out about you because somebody I knew posted hashtag hospital glam and I was like, this is the most fucking awesome thing I've ever seen. Who created this? And somehow it got back to you. And I was like, that's... The... And so I remember, and you know, funnily enough, like, at the beginning of this podcast, like two years ago, I interviewed somebody for the show, and I put in their, I put in the title of their episode "Hospital Glam," and I, because I, I loved it so much, I was like, I'm gonna put it in there because they were talking about their medicalization of being in the hospital, and I was like, I'm gonna use that, and so now I'm happy to say that I'm speaking to the creator of that hashtag. That's great. Yay. <laughs> um. Cool. That and that was actually going to be this, the the second question of my whole question thing that I designed for today. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going down that line for 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 right now. So what? So the, other than like being able to connect with your intimacy as a disabled person um, in the, in hospitals and in medicalized settings with hospital glam, like a lot of the stuff that you've posted and the pictures you've taken of hospital glam are really like sexy. Like, really, and I love the juxtaposition of, like, you in a hospital being, not, and not sexualized in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, like, really kind of dirty way, but in a way that is, like, I am a sexual being, even if I'm going through all this stuff, I'm still going to feel myself, and, it, and I'm, I want to take a picture to kind of show that. Is that kind of how you envisioned that when you were doing it? Um... Not exactly what, although I, I'm totally for anybody who approaches the project that way. Um, but more of what I was thinking about was about <laughs> capitalism and how much I love fashion and the way I see and have seen all of these fashion image images of, um, of women with these idealized bodies. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the fashion models who are at the top of the game have some sort of chronic illness or some sort of invisible illness. And so we're looking at um, bodies with invisible illnesses and they're selling health and wellness back to us and they're using these sexualized poses. And so I thought it would be interesting when I got sicker and my weight dropped and I more closely approximated like the ideal that we've come to look at as like, like a westernized beauty ideal. Um, and it annoyed me when people were like, you look great right now. <laughs> and I was like, I am the sickest I have ever been in my life. Um, so I thought that it would be interesting to take those poses and reinsert them into a medical environment and think about what that meant and how 
whenever we're looking at those poses, like what goes into a fashion shoot is really, it's not that glamorous to be freezing cold or have things clipped to you much in the way that like a medical gown is clipped to you. You know, um, like a lot of the times the dresses are not, they're not exactly the right size and they're clipped to right. the body. They're like and really the back. uncomfortable and they're sweaty and they feel kind of weird and they, they have that gross hospital like smell to them, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And there are a lot of people looking at you like, <laughs> like when you do, almost in this, not almost in the same way as when you do a medical procedure, but like there is a clinical aspect to a fashion shoot that differs in a lot of ways. Um, but I saw some parallels there and I thought it would be interesting to put it back into a clinical environment and then sort of comment on the way wellness is sold to us. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm looking at it right now cause I pulled it up cause I wanted to be able to speak to it more <laughs> properly when I'm talking about it. And there's one that I, like, I love the picture of and I'm, I'm assuming it's you. I could be wrong here. It's you, right? They're all of them are you. All of the ones on, um, the site that bears my name are me. Uh, there's a Tumblr that has a lot of like crowdsourced images, but everything on like carolyngarrett.com is me and everything on my Instagram is me. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm looking at your, at your site, like the one of you in on the like doctor bed doing the pose. Like I love that one. Um, <laughs> I love the, I love, I love all the wires. I love like the ones, all the wires and like you've, it, it's a, it's really kind of jarring because like we, I've been in, situations as a disabled person in the hospital in the last few years where like you look where I have looked sick as fuck and I'm like you know what I'm still gonna I'm still gonna pose for this photo and I'm gonna try to look hot even though I like I'm, I'm thinking particularly when I had C. diff last year I looked I had lost weight I was not doing super hot but I was like yeah. I want to be I'm in the hospital and I have all these hormones and I have all this stuff that I'm feeling and I can't access right now. And plus, I'm shitting myself and I'm in a diaper and all these things are happening. And I want to also look hot. So I, I, had, my <laughs> I had my friend come by, and my, and my, my friend and my brother come by and take a bunch of photos of me just smiling. Not as, not as, like, not as like fashionista as the ones I'm seeing on your website, but like me just smiling and kind of posing in a, in a sexy kind of way. And it, this pic, the picture that I'm looking at of, of all the wires kind of reminded me of that because I was full of wires. I had like, I had that hospital tape all over me and I was super gross, but I wanted to be like sexy in the moment. So I remember taking the photo being like, I'm going to glam it up. And so every time I, now that I'm looking at this photo with the wires, I'm thinking about back to that moment. It was a moment of like, I'm going to be sexy no matter how sick I am. And it's okay. Yeah. I, I understand that. Um, the more the more extreme the procedures that I had to do, um, it became like a way of researching the procedures and a way of exerting control over my body in the space because then I would have to – then the researching of the procedures would also – it wouldn't only be about what my body was going to go through. It would be about – what I could do and what I could control because so much of what happens in that, um, in those spaces, like you can't really, you can't control the outcome because whatever, whatever's going to happen in the test 
is going to happen in the test. It's either something that's already happening in your body or your body is unstable and is going to react unpredictably anyway. So you really can't control that. And if there's a procedure in place like that a doctor is performing, it's really up to the doctor. So there's really nothing that you can do. But what you can do is you can take limited control over things like you can, you can put lip gloss on if there are going to be wires all over your face and you can't put anything else in your face. You can put on lip color in like that one area that you can't do anything else yeah. with. Like if you're going into an MRI, you can wear silicone jewelry that has no clasp, you know, if that makes you feel more comfortable or confident. Um, you can do anything that makes you comfortable and nobody's going to take that away from you because people ultimately like they don't want to make the experience more like unnecessarily painful but in doing that then you you sort of inadvertently learn what the boundaries of the tests are and you learn how to make yourself more comfortable in those spaces and how to soothe yourself in a place where it's very difficult to be soothed yeah um and i i just think and I remember seeing it years ago when it first started. I remember just falling in love with it because I was like, this is, this is fucking awesome. I was, and I, that's when I started following you. And I was, I think I said hello briefly and we like said hi and that was it. But then I reached out because I was like, I, wanted, I just want to talk to her more because I, like, you do such great stuff with this. And I, what I love about it is it was a little movement. But so many little movements for us disabled queers have, have ended up being things for us that have saved our lives. And I feel like this for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this for you might have been one of those kind of things that it gave you a new sense of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was also something that was intended to, it was never intended to blow up beyond the medical space. Like it was always intended to be something that was very restricted. And that was in part because I wanted other people who participated in it to take that idea and to take like core parts of the idea and then branch off and do other things, which a lot of people who participated in it really early on did like, um, like Ace Radcliffe participated in it super I'm early. I'm interviewing them in like a week or two and I'm so excited. I yeah, can't wait. Great. Um, and Annie Sagara was one of the first people who. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people who, did st- oh, and Michelle Roger, who does Up and Dressed. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of people who participated in the project very early on are doing all of this other activism, and they're doing so much more, and their activism is so different now, but it was, I think it gave people a footing into maybe like different ways to spark off and do other things because this is, this was so restrictive, but it gave, it also gave people a community because like it gave people a way to find each other. Which is like so, the most best, coolest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Is that we could all be together and find each other. Yeah. And I don't know. That's what I like about it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm totally there for that. I'm down for that. Tell me now that's now we've been talking about your, illness and sickness like we have talked about it before we haven't yet so let's back up a little bit and if you wouldn't mind oh, yeah. if you wouldn't mind 
<laughs> if, you, if you're okay and comfy to I'm fine. kind of re kind of reintroduce your illness and your disability to us. Um, okay, so I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Uh, I was diagnosed with it when I was in my early 20s. Although I was a sick kid, but I had. We started talking about this a little bit. Like I mentioned this, um, I was a sick kid, but I wasn't. So, Carolyn, we've been talking about your disability, like, and the way, <laughs> the way, listeners, you can't see, but the way that she is sitting in the mic, she's got the headphones around her, like, mouth and up by her nose, kind of like a, kind of like what those, those, you know, those oxygen things that you do at the hospital. Kind of uh, like a cannula? That. Sort of like that. Yeah, that's right. A cannula. Kind of, kind of like a cannula. Kind of like in a sexy... Kind of like a cannula. iPhone. Apple. You should do it. You should do an eye cannula. I think. <laughs> anyway, that would be a good accessibility device. Nice tangent. All the, all the audio quality on a cannula. Eddie, I don't know how how yeah, audio like, sounds Jesus. in your nose. I don't. <laughs> Any... Okay. <laughs> nice weird tangent we're going off on. Anyway, um, so we've been talking about your disability like it's something we have discussed already on the show. We haven't yet. Why don't you? reintroduce yourself and your disability to us well andrew <clears throat> i have something called ehlers-danlos syndrome uh it's a connective tissue disorder um it's so fun uh sounds great I, it does it does um earlier uh i said oh my god that's blood is that Which a common was... thing that people with eds say i feel like it is i don't know i really don't know uh i have i have like a weird crossover type so that's a thing that sometimes happens with me i have like some skin tearing and stuff like that it's super fun and earlier in the gap between when we were uh dming and getting on the show i was playing a game where i i had to message a bunch of other sick people i know some photos and i was like how much blood is too much blood so that's that's a game because i got a little sick so it's the game where you're like oh do I have to go to the ER today? I was getting sick. So um, I'm like, is this a normal amount of blood to vomit? So, and wow. nothing is a normal amount of blood no, to vomit. No, I, I vomited blood, and I can tell you that nothing is a normal. No, but then if there, I don't know. Do we want to get into this? We're, we we're, already, into we're already there. We're already, let's, I mean. Okay, so like. So, like, let's say you start coughing up blood and, and, like, some bile, and then there's just, like, tiny bits of blood, and it's just, like, tiny bits of red, and you're like, that shouldn't be there. I have, yeah, and it's just, like, a couple of dots of, like, little fresh red blood, and you're like, it's not a lot of blood, but you're like, but it's definitely blood, and it's definitely not coming from my mouth, because you know that it's not coming from your mouth, and you're like, and it's definitely, like, coming from down there you're like hmm but it doesn't seem like it's continuing and you're like hmm what what do i do here it just seems like a little bit and it's just like spotting and then you're like hmm so that's that's the thing it's it's like spotting but with blood vomit that's hot <laughs> yeah so <laughs> So anyway, so that's that's a question that sometimes comes up for me, and um, I don't go to the ER probably as often as I should for that. I just 
sort of deal with my doctors for stuff like that. And um, I mean, also because you live in you live in L.A. and you live in you live in the U.S., which is a current dumpster fire of. It is, although I do have exceptional care. I am extraordinarily lucky with the care that I have, and I I know how fortunate I am to have the doctors that I do and the care that I have. And so it um it yeah, I know that I'm in an extraordinarily privileged situation with my care team and stuff like that. So um but yeah, I don't go to the ER for everything and I don't go to the ER when like when I'm playing the blood game unless it's clearly a lot of blood so (laughs) so so that so that's this morning um which is not like a particularly bad day it's just like I don't feel well and um yeah so that so that's a game I'm playing today is the blood game um and so I'm not really sure I'm not really sure what question that was connected to but I think it was like what EDS is, like what EDS is, and what my experience is. So I have all these comorbidities. Um, so I have some gastrointestinal issues. Clearly, me uh, too. Heard... Yay! Um... <laughs> you shit yourself when you don't want to, because that's mine. No, I can't do that. Like, it is an effort. It is such an effort to get anything to go out that way. It's. But comical. it all wants to come up the other way. <laughs> yeah, and then that's dangerous for me. Okay. Because of like rupturing stuff. Esophageal, yeah, yeah. And so, um. Isn't this the sexiest disability after dark conversation that we've ever had, audience? I know, right? This is great. So, <laughs> so I have to play these games about, um, about like what blood. So, um, hmm, how much blood is too much blood? So, <clears throat> So anyway, so I have a lot of stomach issues. Um, I now have a whole bunch of heart stuff that I didn't have like a couple of months ago because I'm in like a weird situation with like an aggressive, I live near an aggressive smoker. Um, So that sucks uh, and has impacted me very, very drastically. Um, I... Yeah, I don't know. I sublux a lot of stuff, but the subluxing and the and the constant pain just seem like par for the course. I like I know I know that that just sounds like kind of very bleak, but it just No, I mean, like, as a disabled person, I got to say no, it really doesn't. It's, it does sound actually really truly par for the course. I mean, that's how so many of our lives are. And so so I'm going to yeah. try to I'm going to try to bring this back to like sexiness. Yeah. I'm going to try. Um, because <laughs> it is a sex podcast. Yes, yes, it is. It is, Thank but you. it's also a sex and disability podcast, so I appreciate all the things. No, and then when I started Hospital Glam, I had a tumor. Um, so that's why I took all of those photos because it, everything became a lot more intense for me. So I knew yeah. that I had to do that. I don't know if we already covered that. What? I have a hard time remembering things now. It's okay. This will be this will be a mishmash like together in this podcast. It'll be full of I'll put a disclaimer saying we were giggling and weird. It was a weird episode. It's fine. It's fine. Um Neuro issues, you guys. Disability, man. People, humans. Um This is a <laughs> This is such a weird episode, but I love it already so much. Um I went to a disability event last night uh, with Danielle Perez. 
name dropping already. I've heard very her name. Late. Yeah, she's great. You should have her on because she's hilarious. Send her my but way. I'd love it. I will. She, we, we went to an event and um, we watched a movie, which was a very good movie, but it was jarring because in the movie they shot a horse in the face and then we had to go out and mingle with people and everyone was like, ooh, sliders. <laughs> I had like a really hard time adjusting, like just getting down to that. Like, and also, why were they showing a movie where a, sh- a horse was getting shot in the face at a disability event? It was a very like disability themed movie, but a short, like that's just that was just part of the movie. Because oh, I was uh, for a minute, I was like, wait, is the horse the allegory for him for like disabled bodies? What's I don't. There were just like a lot of disabled people in the movie, a lot of disabled characters. Like it was a very dis- like it was a it was a good movie, but a horse does get shot in the face, and then we had to. So I'm pretty sure the title for this and episode. There were a lot of great disabled people there. Like I saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in a long time. It was wonderful. Um, I'm pretty I can't sure. Shade it, but the... just like, man, just going from seeing a horse get shot in the face to. Let's talk about disability like rights. Yeah, some wine and hey, long time no see. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that the title of this episode of the podcast is going to be either Oh that's blood or <laughs> or we saw a horse get shot in the face in an interview with Carolyn Garrick. I'm pretty sure that's the one. That's what's calling me right now, for sure. <laughs> um so tell <laughs> I'm not even going to segue. I'm just going to move right along. So tell me, tell me like how EDS affects your sexuality or, or does it like? Uh, it does. Um, there's a thing that um, a lot of EDS women uh, will have talked about with each other where um, the spasms, like muscle spasms um, affect the way we have sex and the way we orgasm and the way we get turned on because blood flow, you know, blood flow and muscle contractions. Yeah. I have CP, so I kind of get it. Yeah. So, um, if we get turned on and then we start, we have like one orgasm or start having orgasms, but then like, don't keep having them. Then we just have muscle spasms and then it just becomes super painful. So, so wait, so you'll we, have an orgasm uh, or you'll become to orgasm. And then the 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 spasming won't the orgasm will stop, but the spasming won't stop. So you're so then it becomes painful. So we have to have multiple orgasms or kind of like back off of it really early. That's kind, that has in my conversations. So with you have other to come a bunch, and not because not necessarily because you want to come a bunch, because <laughs> maybe you do. But what what I'm hearing you say is that you don't you want to come to yeah. <laughs> You want to come to solve the pain and not because yes. you want to ha- come 8,000 times. Which, yeah. Wh- or sometimes I'm just like, no, I don't want to bother with this today. Like, let's just, like, oh, I'm just going to not. So you either have to come it. a lot or not come at all because if you if you start trying to orgasm, then then there could be pain trying to get to orgasm. So you might have to stop halfway through and then you feel like it's not worth it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, well, that's shitty. I'm not very blunt. But that's just how it is. What, you're super blunt? I mean... Yes, I'm super blunt, but then... I know, that, and I'm already like, why aren't we best friends, and how... Which is also super blunt. Um, 
And I know that it's not that way for every woman or every person with Ehlers-Danlos, but that I've talked to enough women with Ehlers-Danlos about this problem. And we've talked about it in like private group chats and stuff that I know that it's a common problem. So, or it's common enough that we've discussed it a lot. So just so, curiously yeah. and then forgive my ignorance here. Are there any uh, male identified people or, or men who have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? Cause every person that I've met seems to be female identified. Um, there, there are men with EDS. I have never, I have never yet encountered a, a guy who has EDS. Oh yeah, there are dudes with EDS. And was just, I don't know about their orgasms. That was because <laughs> I was no, because when you were talking about orgasms, I, I my brain went to like queer dudes in my head. So I was like, I wonder what a, a queer dude with EDS would feel. So anyone listening, if you're a person with EDS who's male identified and wants to come and talk about that with me, let's do that. But that's not why we're here today. <laughs> We're here to talk about you. Um, so, other than making it really... Pokemon. <laughs> Horses that get shot in the face. Uh, and and <laughs> making sure you come a lot so you don't have EDS pain. Yeah, it's been a great... It's been an awesome interview so far. Um, I'm really fun to date. Tell me... Go <laughs> Tell me all about, tell me all those things. I'm so ready. Well, that was a lie. First of all, um, no, I, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I think I'm probably, I don't know. Uh, uh, I can head, I can, I can, you know, what, let me pull up the like pre questions that I wrote up and then we can like, sure, I can I, give, yeah, you, I I can give just, you the lead in and then we can go from there. Yeah. I'm thinking about my dating. Um, there were a couple of years ago where I did um, my friend Matt's podcast and we talked about dating and sex. And I was talking to him about having one night stands and, because at the time I had the tumor and I was sort of like, I have needs and I want to fulfill them. And so I was using my ability to sometimes pass, which is not it's not an ability that I always have because I can't always pass. And it's not something that I want to do anymore because I don't like passing um, because I don't think that it ever serves me to pass. But at the time it was convenient for getting stuff done. Um, so I had a couple of one night stands and then and everything worked out like I did a lot of like I did testing and everything. So everything was done safely and everything was fine. Um, but I talked to him about that. And then I listened to the podcast and I thought about talking about passing in that way. And it didn't hit me in the right way. So then I decided not to pass anymore or not to consciously pass. And like even in those short term experiences to make a point of disclosing because I don't think it's fun for me to sleep with anybody if, or like do anything sexual with anybody if they don't want that part of me, because then it feels like it just feels gross. Yeah. And I, I you know, as I get older and I start doing more disability work and I, I have had a number of one night stands and I will continue to do so. Cause I am a big fucking slut and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm very pro slut. I am a giant seated slut. I'm fully I'm all right with it. Um, I and I've had a bunch of one night. <laughs> I wish I wish the audience could see the hilariousness of what's occurring. 
Um, I've had a bunch of one night stands, and I I have I have wanted to pass myself a lot because but because I am very clearly a wheelchair user, I can't pass. So like, in what ways would you you with your EDS? In what ways would you pass? Like, how would passing manifest itself for you? I have to be really so. I use a variety of different mobility devices. Um, I've used a wheelchair in the past. I don't always use a wheelchair because I can't. It's too hard for me to use a scooter because of use because it's very heavy and because like just the arm strength and stability to like use controls and it's too hard for me. Okay. And I can't propel myself. Um, like, I don't have the wrist or arm strength to do that. Yeah, I mean, so... my, my wrists are, like, for lack, of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better word, they're pretty gimpy. Um... Yeah, it's, it's too much for me. Um, so, like, I can only do that if I have someone with me or if I'm in a situation where, like, someone, yeah. Um, so I use a rollator or a cane or sometimes if I don't have the ability to use a cane or a rollator because sometimes it's too hard to get my rollator out of my car, for example, like, because there are days when it's just like, it's too heavy to lift. And I, it's easier to like, if I know that I'm in a situation where there will be seats and I'll only be like standing and walking a little bit and I don't have to, I don't have to like pull and push. It's just easier to stand and walk a couple of feet and sit down and kind of do like a disability parkour than it is to like pull, you know, like a, a 16 or 70, 17 pound object like out of my car and then assemble it and then like push it and then have to use that and manipulate that throughout a day. Does that make sense? You, I love how you said disability parkour like i love that i i is it a thing i wonder if that's a thing is, does anybody out there in the world do disability parkour i wonder i'm sure that somebody does like but in a real way but you know i mean but we all sort of do that like we kind of do some sort of version of bouldering around like when we're not doing well or when we have to get from point a to point b and we're on the ground and can't like like some part of our body has just like stopped functioning and you have, and our devices aren't around and you have to get places. To like, I have to yeah. And so and, like, yeah. so, so passing for you then is, has been like figuring out which mobility device to hide the most. No, not to hide. It's passing for me is passing for me is regrettably almost the default because there. There's something about the way that I am and the way that I, um, there's just something about the way that I am, uh, where even if I'm using a cane or sometimes even with my rollator, people will assume that it's a temporary device. And so I have to be very aggressive about disclosing and I have to be very aggressive about the fact that it's not. It wasn't always that way and it's not that way when I am feeling really bad, but I think it's something about the way that I'm dressing or something about the like something about me where I have to just be very aggressive to make sure that I'm not passing. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And but in in like romantic or like dating situations were like what when I've been in in dating situations and I've been able to pass 
like very and that's very rare because I'm a big time wheelchair user all like a full time wheelchair user so there's no way that I can actually pass but like if somebody would see me from the neck up and not realize I was sitting in a wheelchair I would take when I was younger I would take pride in them saying like oh I I can't see you from the like I can't tell you're a wheelchair user because you're the way you're seated or whatever and so I would be like oh good I look normal did you ever feel like in your younger years of trying to date and like do things before you really go to a place of like acceptance with all this did you were you proud of the passing or was it always something you felt icky about I no I like when I was in high school before I openly identified as disabled and I used a cane in high school I fucking loved it like I fucking loved my cane and I loved walking around with my cane and I thought it was the best thing I thought it was fucking cool (laughs) it was great I painted it it was I don't know I just I loved it um I thought it was very cool um and then I had and then when I was in a wheelchair for a little while, it was kind of fun. Um, I mean, it wasn't super fun because it was high school and being in a wheelchair for a little while. But, like, my friends would push me into different classes. So that was fun because I would get a little extra time to hang out with my friends in the hall. So that was kind of neat. And then I I don't know. But it <sighs> So I guess what I'm asking is like when if you were to with be with like like a date or somebody would would you want to like have them see you as the most normal or would you want to be like hey I'm super disabled deal with it like here's the I I tell them all the time um I tell I have a hard time hmm so I hung out with someone who was substantially younger than me not that long ago and we were on a date and I talked to him about euthanasia. Uh. (laughs) Like I just straight up had a long talk about like right to die and euthanasia and how um, I completely, I support it in certain circumstances, but I think, but why I think that it, it is essentially eugenics in other circumstances and for the disability community. And I was talking about, why I feel that way as a disabled person. And then we drove someplace and I got my pussy eaten. It was fucking great. There are so many potential titles for this episode. (laughs) There are like five. Starting with... I'll say again. Starting with, oh, that's blood. (laughs) And then, I can't even... Then, shot shot a horse in the face. Something about vomiting blood was in there and now we talked about euthanasia and then I got my pussy now like that's it, it. <laughs> but that's what you have to do you like you have to I don't know you have to be really clear about that because otherwise it sucks and you don't get to be yourself and no, then totally. there's and, like, and like there's like a weird shame about it and I like so I I was married like it's I was married to a man and the worst shit about that relationship is that it was a weird, very, very straight relationship um, 
which just felt like it was killing the inside of me. Oh. Um, yeah, and then that was the only time that I felt shame about anything. And I felt more and more shame as time went on. And that was in really inflicted by him. Um, but I, mm, I really, I hated being married. I hated, it was a bad, it was a bad marriage. It was just a very, very bad marriage. But um, that was the only time I felt shame about any of it. And then after that, like now I just, I tell everyone, um, and so when you were married, like your <laughs> when you were married, like your ex partner, was made you feel shitty about your EDS all the time. It's very complicated. Um, it was used. It was really used in a way. Kind of like as a bargaining, yeah, as a bargaining chip to like make you feel like less than it sounds like. Um, explicitly, yeah. Wow. Um, that's yeah. When we were. When we were getting divorced, there was a phone conversation where he, I said something about equal rights, and he said, you can't expect that. You're disabled. Oh. Um, but that was really the least of it. Uh, that was, that's the most innocuous of the things that happened. So because of that, because of that explicit ableism you had to deal with, you now <laughs> talk to dates about euthanasia and then... Expect that your pussy will get eaten. I like this. I'm. I support. <laughs> I support all this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I. But I think that even if I weren't sick, I think that that would be the same sort of thing that I would want for myself. Because I think that like there are a lot of people, whether they're sick or disabled or not, that don't really give themselves like everything that they. They don't give themselves their due. Yeah, we hold ourselves back because of of internalized ableism. Totally, we do. Yeah, um, but even even people who aren't disabled, they have something about themselves that they don't like. They have something about themselves that they don't love, and that they think makes them unlovable. And so, because of that, they make decisions about their love lives, and they're not the best decisions and they sort of will date people that they shouldn't be dating or they make bad decisions um, or decisions that are just born not out of desire or not out of like, this is really the person that I want to be with, but they go like, this is the best that I think I can do or like, Oh, the, they just make concessions for themselves yeah. rather than like, yeah, it's. And so are you of the mind that like, because you're sick and because you're, going through all the things that, like, you're like, fuck it, I don't have time to hold back. I'm just going to, like, ball to the wall. Kind of. But I also don't think that it's a priority for me. Like, if I meet somebody and we have chemistry or, I don't know, if I meet somebody and I get along with them and I enjoy them or I think that they're attractive and I want to hang out with them or if I just feel like I need stress relief I will do what I want to do I'm just tired of not doing what I want to do and I feel like for so long I didn't do what I wanted to do makes sense yeah and so so totally that's connected to disability surely like whether you whether it's conscious or subconscious I'm sure I'm sure like ableism and, and illness is all in tied in there somewhere well when I first when I was first diagnosed, I had this, I was told that I would be dead by the time I was 30 because nobody really knew that much about EDS. And my doctors, my doctor at the time was really ill-informed and 
um, it was a very long time ago. It was before there was any like community on the internet. So um, I, I spent the first couple of years thinking that I would be dead by the time I was 30. And then, so I had this like really fatalistic approach to it. So I think I was, I don't know. I think everything was a little bit more dark and now it's not, now it's not really so dark. It's just, um, I just want to do what I want to do and be happy. And again, and like, like that, 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 that is what we all want. But I think when we're disabled, like so many barriers are put in our way. And so I, I really, like, I, I'm enjoying this conversation because you are really, I can tell just from talking to you, you're so outspoken. You're like, fuck it. This is who I am. Deal with it. Like, <laughs> why don't, and also, why don't you have a podcast yet? Like, can, can somebody can like, can, we should, I can't audio edit. Oh, I can't either. This don't worry. All of our blunders over the last hour will be in the episode that will go out. It's fine. <laughs> I don't pretend to know anything. Um, so, so you went on the date with this person and you talked about euthanasia and got your pussy eaten out. And I applaud that. Oh, oh yeah. That's, yeah, we still text every day. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, They're great. So, They're not the only person I'm seeing. It's fine. Amazing. Amazing. So, um, <laughs> so when, when, when we talk about, you mentioned in your questionnaire also about disability and disclosure, we've talked a little bit about that here today, but, I, but it can be super difficult to disclose. And so when I do it, I play with it. Like I'll call myself number one, queer cripple, bear in a chair, big dick crypt. Like I'll, I'll play with all that stuff to empower myself. How do you kind of interrogate and play with disability disclosure in sex and disability for yourself? When I have been on apps, like, I don't go on dating apps often because I don't, I don't really get along with people. I just, <laughs> I guess that's not true. Like, <laughs> like I, I can get along with people, but I'm, I don't have time for the apps and like, and the going out on dates and then being like, okay, you're boring. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I do better when I meet people and I'm like, all right, this, this works. I just don't have time. So um, when I do go on apps, I either give them to my friends so my friends can swipe for me um, or like a new mom is great to give Tinder to because then like you get to hold their baby, they get to hold Tinder. It's great. Yeah. I think that that's like a good use for Tinder. So um, I put up extreme hospital glam photos and then I'll put like one photo of myself like not in a hospital. And then... um, Whoever, I'll get some people that work in hospitals responding, and they're like, oh, so is this an art project? Do you work in a hospital? I'm like, no, I'm sick. <laughs> or I, like, write these very, like, bleak things. I'm like, everything is temporary. Or, like, I'm a sick person. Well, it's just right. I'm disabled. Don't waste my time. Like, oh. <laughs> just, I'm not, I'm not subtle. I noticed. I, I noticed. I just, <laughs> I don't care. I'm down with that. It's fine. Yeah. That's why this podcast has will have twelve parentheses about what the title could have been. <laughs> like it's, it's gonna be so so random. Um I spoke to the least subtle woman on the planet. It's yeah, I really did. Uh-huh. And we had a super like weird conversation, but I'm there for it. So like do you so other other than being like the bleak stress of the internet, do you the what? The bleak I mean, I made it up right now. I don't know if it's a real word. Like the bleak Because you said you, you, you send really bleak that? disability. Um, yeah. For it. Bleak stress. 
I, sure. I just made it up. I don't, know, it. I don't know if it's a real thing. I liked it. I thought we'd go. It's fun. Yeah. Um. But so so do you, so like, if when you when you send those messages about how about how you're sick, what are the responses you get? They they're like, oh, cool. I don't know. I it usually still works out. Wow. Just very upfront. <laughs> like, where if it's on first contact, so they wouldn't have swiped, or if they don't want to swipe, like they, yeah. <laughs> Wow, because usually I say I'm disabled, and they go, something, something, ableism, 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 bye. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I I force it in a weird way. Um, but I also do, I don't know. So there was someone that I went out with a couple of months ago where they were great um, as a person. However, they kept bringing up things like dancing and travel. And I was like... Yeah, it's it's nice that you like those things. <laughs> I was like, that's that's good for you. Um, and then we talk about some stuff, and I would talk about disability more, and I'd like bring my cane, and I'd be like, can we just go someplace with comfortable chairs? I don't care about the food. <laughs> like, that's that's how I'm. People are like, where do you want to go? I'm like, someplace with comfortable. Someplace seats. where I can sit for like four hours and be totally fine. Yeah, I'm like, I just want to sit in a comfortable chair. Like the food. I like good food, but it is less important to me than good back support. So um, I'm very clear about that. So they kept bringing this up, and I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. And eventually I just told them, like, I, you seem great, but there's just there's too much education, and I can't do it. <laughs> so bye. <laughs> and then, like, you have to – like, and by too much education, you mean you would have to, like – guide them through and hold their hands the whole night like i keep telling them like i kept telling them over and over like i'm disabled i can't do that and then i told them explicitly about the dancing i was like i could go to a club and then do something for a little while but i'd be so tired it wouldn't feel fun for me and i it would take up all of my energy and i would not be able to do anything else or feel good like yeah so you laid it out (sighs) for them and they were and their response to you was like they were still like, maybe we could travel or do something. And I was like, you're not getting this. Oh, no. <laughs> you're just not getting this. No. And so now, and so now you, so your ideal date really is talking about euthanasia and disability stuff was, and then getting your pussy eaten out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. My ideal date. Um, <laughs> and so in, in your, in the questionnaire, you also mentioned that you dated within your community. Like, did you mean, like, the disability community, or you mean, like... For disabled people and other sick people. I feel like that's easier. I do, too. It's rare for me, yeah. because oftentimes, like... Oftentimes, when I'm, when I'm attracted to another disabled person, they are equally or more so disabled than me. So I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I want to date. I totally want to do things with you. But the logistics are tough, and so, so then my own ableism mm-hmm. will be like, yeah, you can't pick me up, and, and then we'd have to add a third person that wasn't involved sexually. And so I feel, I always feel bad, because I'm like, I want to, I really want to, but I don't know if we can. And then... But couldn't you involve that person sexually? I mean, yes, <laughs> but also... Or, just like, or in a way that, like, is not weird. There's definitely a way to do that. Or to get around it. There is. There totally is. Or it just 
determine it's just based on like both of your comfortability and i mean there totally is but what i'm saying is like my own ableism gets in my way sometimes about like seeing past that and know like yeah i know intellectually like yeah you're disabled and i'm disabled and we should fuck but like physically i'm like "Mm, i don't know we're both disabled what do we do like like which is so ridiculous because i work in like sex and disability so i know that i should be able to no big deal and in my head, I totally am that way. But then when when things get down, there's a moment of like, oh, oh yeah, you're disabled. Yeah. I don't know. I think I always think of other people in our community as being like the most creative and probably like the most fun to have sex with. Oh, totally. Because everyone is interesting and everyone has something kind of cool going on with their bodies and everyone has such like such an interesting connection to their body and such it's just it's just so cool like I just feel like we have a lot more self-knowledge and self-exploration that ha- that we've had to do just to get through life that like that able-bodied people don't have to do so like they can they can be like really clumsy about like where to put things <laughs> like just where to put things <laughs> just like where does this go so much innuendo uh, <laughs> there or not yeah um or just like how to position their own bodies or they feel embarrassed a lot more easily or they're or they're a lot more squeamish about things because like maybe they they haven't had to deal with like weird accidents or like weird body mishaps um, so I don't know. I feel like the frequency with which we have to deal with those things and kind of get over them just to live, um, makes it easier. I don't know. Makes it easier to have sex with each other. Uh, yeah. And, and more exciting because we're like, okay, well, that's not such a big deal. Um, and bodies are bodies and bodies are interesting and hot and kind of cool. And like, what does yours do? And like, mine does this. And so there's like, there's like a mutual, there's like this interesting exploration thing where there's, I mean, again, like this is a queer, this is a queer podcast. So like, damn right it is. Yeah. So I think that, I think that there's something about abled sex that is almost inherently binary Yep. where, yeah, where there's like these two normate bodies. I love how we went from <laughs> all the things we went from and then we just and then we just moved into like so much depth in this conversation in a really short period of time and keep going. I'm not saying it's stop. I'm just saying I love how we went from being goofballs to like this. I'll go back to Lickitung. I mean, <laughs> we totally can. So finish your thought here first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there, it's just these two normate bodies. And so like we look at, there are all these people who feel weird or uncomfortable about their bodies or about like what their bodies look like. And there are all of these body positivity movements that leave out disabled bodies. Yeah. I can't, I, I was on a phone call three hours ago with a gay men's alliance in Toronto and they want to hire me for a project. And one of the first things they said to me was like, hey, what do you think about the sex positivity movement? And my very first words were, <laughs> like, my very first words were, I don't, I, I don't feel like sex positivity is, is sex positive. And I said, we have to be very careful. And I, I recorded this with them, so if they hear this later, it's fine. But I said, you know, we have to be very careful how, 
who who gets to say the words sex positive because oftentimes sex for disabled communities or others is not positive and is rooted in a lot of ableist and like horrible things and so they kept you know they listened to me and they agreed in part but they kept saying using the term and I said we really have to talk about changing the terminology or looking at different language because it really makes me like I don't, I don't get uncomfortable around a lot of terms I let people say how they feel because I'm like then live your like live your thing and that's fine but for some reason sex positivity whenever I'm talking about it with sex educators or in in spaces or somebody refers to my work as sex positive I immediately go like I can't do it (laughs) no no and I'll say like I put on my Twitter about a week and a half ago I said don't call my work sex positive and disability anymore please refer to it as like sexual realism please because there's a lot of real stuff that really happens that isn't positive that I want to still talk about that but I'm not going to put a happy face on it yeah I yeah we can talk about that in a minute too but there mm, something that I've found about queer spaces or queer abled spaces is that they tend to shut out disability not only in the way they prioritize like the physicality of I don't know of abled bodies but there's just they tend to hold they tend to hold events in inaccessible spaces yeah and, and I'm like, talking about I, that on the show I've, like every I've other week I've participated in events here in Los Angeles that were just inaccessible and then I <laughs> like I sometimes get treated like I'm not necessarily a part of the queer scene here because I don't go out to these events, but I don't go to them because they're inaccessible. I go to the ones that are accessible and it's really fucking hard to tell because they don't put any accessibility information up. And sometimes when they do, it's wrong. It's just wrong. So it happens all the time. Or they'll say like, Oh yeah, we're accessible, but the bathroom isn't accessible. And it's like, well then the whole place is not accessible. Sorry. Like, yeah, or it's like a dirt, dirt, dirt floor or something. Or we have an elevator, like but, but sometimes the elevator doesn't work. Sorry, and it's like, well, then, uh, like, no. No? <laughs> like, no, like, no. Um, yeah, or the bathrooms in the basement. And it's funny, because I, I was in L.A. a few weeks ago, and I, I did some work for Grindr. I was there, like, a month, about a month and a half ago. Where in L.A. are you, do you live? I don't want to say that on your podcast. Oh, but yeah, I'll... right, okay. Well, like, give, like yeah. I was around. I'll message you. I was around La Cienega area are you are you ish to there no awesome okay (laughs) that's literally all i know about la because i was driven from from my hotel to the studio back to the airport so that's all i know um yeah but yeah i mean so much of able-bodied queerness is inaccessible and so as somebody with eds like how how does that make you feel how have you talked about it how has like how have you been in those spaces and talked about it. I, as bluntly as I say it here, I'm just like, this is inaccessible. And I complain about it. And then I either don't get invited back or don't get invited to things. And then I tell other people, I'm like, people hate me. And then they're like, no, they don't. I'm like, hmm, they don't like it that I'm, I'm very blunt. So the seventh so title for this podcast. how I actually talk about this. The seventh title <laughs> for this podcast might be people hate me. <laughs> An interview. Don't, I don't know. They don't really hate me. I'm just, I just, ugh, I am who I am. No, but like, I feel like you have, I feel like there's a like, platform oh, here and I feel like there's something here and obviously you have a platform because you do what you do and I, I love what you do. But I'm saying, I feel like there's like another medium platform where you mean like, 
I could sit and talk with you for six more hours about all these things. <laughs> I won't do that to this poor audience, but I could, I, what I'm saying is I could totally do it. So what I'd love to, I'd love to help more. I, I could say, I see a YouTube channel. I see like another, an, like a podcast. I see stuff. I don't want, that's so much effort. I don't have the time. Again, my day before this was figuring out how much blood is too much blood. <laughs> like, <laughs> think, and then I have a lot of other work that I'm overdue on. I have a lot of stuff to do. I'm very busy. I know that it doesn't seem like, I don't know. I'm a very busy person. So I need, like, if someone wants to edit a podcast or if someone wants to help me out with that, sure. They can get in touch. They can email me. They let can me DM. know. I can, let me know. I don't, I can edit for shit. Sure. But let's. Someone, someone else can, if someone wants to help me do that, sure. They can, they can DM I'm me. I'm not good at it, but like, let me that. know because I, like, there, I, because I'm, well, <laughs> I mean, I have my own little mini podcast network here with that this show's on, and I'd love to... I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there because I really enjoyed this little weird, okay. off-the-cuff, random conversation today. That... If you've enjoyed it, get in touch with Andrew, and we'll see if we can work something out. I have a real mic here. I do. I have a real mic. But... Sometimes Skype's an asshole. Yeah, and I, and I play the how much blood is too much blood game. So. Like that's the that that should be your podcast, right? You could like you could do a whole medical like. Okay, here's where my brain's going. You could do a medical disability comedy podcast. Where the fuck is that? That's never that doesn't exist. Like, there's so many. There's not. There's a. There's a real. Not very funny, Andrew. I've been laughing my ass off for the last hour. <laughs> All right. If you recall, the whole hour started with giggling. Uh, it's the cannula <laughs> that nobody can see. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like screenshot. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna screenshot this right now so that when good. the audience when I, so that I put it up, I'll put it up on the disability after dark Twitter. Um, I don't have a segue because all the questions I had ended up not really being used because uh, we were just giggling for an hour. But um, how do people get a hold of you? How can they? They can at, at me on Twitter or on Instagram. I might be weird and dismissive. I don't know. I'm better. I'm better IRL than on the internet. That's for sure. So, <laughs> so is this an? Are we having an IRL moment together right now? What's happening? Yeah, yeah this is. A, yeah, Skype. Skype counts. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm better. I'm better like this. With like with this, an, with an iPhone cannula in your nose. Yes, I'm better with an iPhone cannula. Okay, I'm gonna this screenshot is, you. This is. I'm at my best. Okay, wait. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do mm-hmm. it. And it's going to get me in there. Hang on. Feel it. How, does, how do I do this again? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just know that this is this is the best I've ever looked. It's amazing. I think it worked. I heard it go, gnink. Um, okay. So so okay. they can at you where on the places? Um, K-A-R-O-L-Y-N-P-R-G. Awesome. And your, your website is? That, that's me everywhere. And my website is carolyngarrig.com. That just has links to other things, and it really needs to be updated. Um, again, I'm busy, and I don't pay. Yeah, I need to. I need to get my life in order. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on that, I need, on... Playing, I need to stop playing the blood game. <laughs> so on that, awesomely. <laughs> <laughs> This was mm-hmm. my this was my favorite interview of 2018 so far. 
like wow this interview went from we didn't we barely touched on sex i don't quite know like that's my like pussy eating <laughs> oh no we, we got there orgasms. and i talked about ehlers danlos and orgasms also okay also here's another thing Here's a, okay. Here's a real here's a real disability thing that happens with Ehlers Danlos, which is a thing. And this is this also speaks to beauty privilege, which annoys me. I'm ready. And yeah, I get annoyed very easily. I think that's that's evident on the internet. Yes, yes. that is evident. On the I internet. follow your Twitter. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, yes, I get annoyed very easily. Um, so uh, people think that Ehlers Danlos is like is like a is like a hot disability to have i think that that is also a reason that maybe it is easier or maybe it's one of those things because they're like oh you're bendy or they're like hmm that's that's a little bit more they can sexualize it easier they can sexualize and fetishize the disability itself which is a thing and so that's that's kind of a problem that's not kind of a problem that is a problem so there's always a thing with dating people where you have to figure out once they're like oh no I looked that up I'm okay with it where you're like huh why are you okay with it are you okay with it because you you think it's you think are you fetishizing me yeah 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 do you not realize that there's like a blood game that goes along with this like I have a question about the blood game though that I have that I've had since we started and I didn't know how to ask you but here it is um do you ever play the blood game during sex no I don't. Have you ever? Have you I, I ever wanted to? <laughs> no, it's not a fun game. It's just a me like running to the toilet and then being like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then like taking a photo and then being like, hmm, and then comparing it to previous photos of like, hmm, 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 and then like looking at like times that I've had to go to the ER. Okay. That's so blood game. Is yeah. there other than like? like a, there are no points, <laughs> and nobody wins. Nobody ever wins with the blood game. No, never. Um, is there, are there any sex games that you play with EDS? Like, are there, like, is there any games that you play in your head with EDS? Like, I wonder if I sublux this hip, would this position be sexier? Like, is there a game that... No, I mean, stuff does, like, pop out of place, but then you just, like, pop it back in. And I, a thing about sex is that I am often in a, an extreme amount of pain, just as a baseline so it's very hard to stay in my head okay stay in the moment and so it's really easy for me to slip out of my head and start thinking about something else so i have to be very engaged in the sex and have like a lot of chemistry or like have just a lot of involvement in what's going on or be really excited about stuff otherwise it's very easy to tell that i'm just not there yeah (laughs) and i'm like thinking about something else or that I'm just busy being in pain and have no involvement in what's happening. I talk with a lot of disabled people who tell me that pain, positive pain, like pain they consent to and agree to during sex helps their disability pain go away. Is that, is that a, the case for you? It's not always pain. Sometimes it's just extra stimulation. So it can be like it can be cold or it can be hot, like or it can be hot. So it can be like ice or it can be just extra stimulation so not necessarily pain but a different sensation that isn't the pain you're currently used to yes just anything to keep me in my body okay right (laughs) 
I I have no more questions. You're awesome, and I tell so so tell people again <laughs> where they get a hold of you, even though you just did. Um, Carolyn P R G K A R O L Y N P R G. That's me on like every website. And I'm gonna promote the fuck out of you because this was, and I kid you not, I and I've done a lot of in- interviews for the show, and this was one of my favorites because you're just. Why have we not been best friends before? I don't know. It took us like an hour to get Skype to work. Right? I mean, shit. It was very weird. I'm going to DM you my personal digits because I want to be your friend. Um, okay. Uh, th- thank <laughs> you so much for coming on today and being a goofball with me for an hour and talking about disability, your pussy, uh, uh, games, The Pokemon I would fuck. The Lickitung. So weird. I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of people would have that reaction to that. Pokemon animation. Do you think there should be a disabled? Do you think there is there is first of all is there a disabled Pokemon? And I don't think so, but I don't think that that's what Pokemon is about at all. I just I don't know. I a friend like I had that reaction to it, and then I was talking with a friend, and then the friend was just like, "Yeah, that Lickitung can get it," and I was like, "No, I agree." I have a lot of friends who are also perverts. Please send them my way. I need more podcast guests. <laughs> Okay. Um, this was so fun. I I love you to bits already. <laughs> I <laughs> I have nothing else to say. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, okay. You're a gem, and I had so much so much fun. You're a dirty, perverted person, and I want to be your best friend. Um, okay. All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. All right. So that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made, by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.